Hey everyone, welcome aboard the Wednesday podcast train in episode 65 of 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff. Last week our episode was entitled Be a Good, Go- be a good Boundary Keeper. Uh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> it was Be a Good Boundary Keeper, and that was by Andy McDonald, where we decided that if we think we have to defend ourselves, or if we think we are keepers of secret knowledge, maybe that we have to not only protect truth in ourselves, but that we have to protect and defend God, we're going to build walls. Instead, we should surrender to God and let him make us people who live without walls and who do whatever it takes to fully engage in serving every person he brings into our circle of influence. You can listen to that message by podcast or by uh, the actual message itself by going to hospitalchurch.org or the easy way at the Hospital Church mobile application. If you haven't downloaded that, go to the App Store. You'll find it, and it'll make life easy. This week, it was It Takes a Village, and this was part of our From the Heart series. And we're, what, halfway through now or one more? Yeah, a little yeah. over halfway. This was the once a month. I don't even remember which yeah. month we're in here. Through August. <laughs> through August. So, <laughs> yeah. But you kind of started out with, we don't do our best when we try to do this life alone, and that we were made for community, and that only happens when it's intentional. It never just happens. So my first thought was, okay, um, that's who we want to be individually probably and who we want to be as a church community. So from a staff perspective, how does the Florida Hospital Church intentionally guide and shepherd a community that doesn't want to be just by themselves? They want to be a part of this group and they want to be part of this village. How do we do that from a staff perspective or how do we put that out there and make it known and make it part of the culture of who we are that people just naturally would want if you come here you just want to be part of the village you know it is interesting though because i saw the eyes yeah. move. you were you were done before it and, started Andy's, uh, <laughs> that wasn't that really wasn't part of the sermon but as a staff it is interesting because you know, I raised my kids here at this church, as did Andy for the most part. All the part. Yeah. And um, and we had a smaller staff at that time um, when we were going through. But I can still remember different things that, you know, my kids would come home and, and uh, they, my my son, you know, we I would, you know, put him to bed or whatever. And, and I'm, I, part of the thing was... He goes, well, that's not that's not what Andy said this last week. In the <laughs> so it, we did actually have, you know, and my accountability. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, of course, my response was, I don't care. What? No, that's not. <laughs> but um, but the point was, is that my kids got a chance to see through not just the church, but you know, a lot through the staff, and they. They became, in a sense, surrogate parents for that. It was really cool. And I think part of it also is is when a person comes to our church by uh, conversion to Christ or through transfer from a different church, there's a new member orientation. And a part of that orientation is talking about connectedness, talking about being part of a village. It's talking about um, we're not soloers here. We're, we sing in a choir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that, that's no small part to it, no. I don't think, because no. I, you know, we've been here officially, I think, about a year and a half, even though we'd been coming for about two, another six months prior to that. But I remember sitting through through the orientation process with Jeff and, you know, afterwards, you know, catching glimpses of my wife across the, the way from me as we go through and all the things that we were looking for that we wanted to be different from where we had come from. 
we'd look over and Jeff would mention something that was pertinent and eyes would look and she'd give me the little head nod or the little eye <laughs> wink. You know, it's like, hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, is this what we really, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And afterwards she's like, I really like, I, yeah, yeah, this is good. This is good. <laughs> and so I think, though, it prepares you for what the expectation is. Well, and there's, you're absolutely right. There are a lot of expectations that we all have going into any relationship. Sure. And that was the, one of the things that we talked about in, in, in our uh, orientation is the fact that, family and whatever size that is has expectations on both sides That's, yeah. and that piece uh whether or not those expectations are fulfilled the way we want them to be fulfilled but i think our church is very very intent on helping because with every person that comes in there's a little bit of leakage that could that's a possibility and we don't and we don't do it as well as we'd like no well oh my you know, it, <laughs> yeah the the connections just on us Jeff and I can talk about it, especially because on, on a weekend, we're both in church, you know, and, and you just, even the connections you want to make that day mm-hmm. are impossible. Oh, yeah. You, you, you try, you try, you want to say hello to people and you want to make connections, talk about other issues of ministry or whatever. And it's like, okay, we need, we need this to last a lot longer, longer. because everybody's here right now. <laughs> I mean, you can do it during the week, but it's just so convenient when everybody's there together. Now, I'm not going to rush this, but uh, I, I got to thinking about what, what Andy did when he called up Gideon, and he had, yeah. and I know you're going to get to that, but what Andy just said here was really is really critical, because if you looked at those, for those of you that weren't at the service, there was probably, for first service, I think there was like 15 people up there, and I think second service was like 20 some. Oh, yeah, second service was big. Group. And, um, but every person that was there, and Gideon's circle of community or whatever his village his village <laughs> yeah thank you <laughs> had connections to other people mm-hmm. sure so even though those weren't directly connected to Gideon they were also connected to others and so there was a network there that you get with a community that uh, I think sometimes we underestimate how big our village really is when you start looking at all the different cross lines sure yeah. Well, the thing I thought about with that is when you saw those numbers, and I was watching yesterday as I was in the air, paid for my in-air Wi-Fi so I could uh, get prepared for today. And I same thing, noticed all those people. And then I started to think about, well, in that group of people, there's got to be more than one, more than two, probably more than three out of that group that are just probably not an extrovert, right? Or they're not the mm. person that says, man, I sure love being up front. Because there was a couple looks on a couple faces that just said, yeah, yeah I'm doing this because yeah. I, I do want to help and I want to show up. But, boy, this even just being up here is uncomfortable. So how do we engage those as a church to join us in this intentional village and this intentional community when that's probably the least favorite thing you could ever ask them to do would be to just engage people that maybe they don't know or they're unfamiliar with. Is there a way that we can kind of help people kind of soften that blow like the velvet, kind of the velvet sledgehammer? (laughs) We're asking you to do this, but we're asking really nicely. And, oh, by the way, we might even have a way that it might be a little more comfortable for you. Well, I think part of it is to encourage people to to do one. Okay. Uh, Because one's different than five. (laughs) <laughs> I can do 50 uh, or 100 on a day, and I, I, I suck energy from it. I mean, it's just the way I'm created. Whereas other people, doing just one may be exhausting, but they understand if they can grasp the concept of needing each other, of, of the value that comes in shared life, you know, like a, the old Swedish proverb that said, you know, uh, shared joy is double joy and shared sorrow is half a sorrow kind yeah. of thing. You know, you, it, it, sharing stuff makes things better. And so I think if they can grasp that reality, even if they don't do 
a whole bunch if they can just find another person to connect with and be able to be a, a singular village <laughs> for one another kind of thing. Yeah. Well, and I found that there was so much diversity in what you presented, and it's really a reflection, I think, of our community here at the Hospital Church, but specifically Kara Powell and Chap Clark. Is it Chip Clark? In Chap, yeah. Chap? Is it mm-hmm. Chap? Okay, yeah. I think I copy and pasted it, and I'm like, wait, Chap, I don't remember <laughs> Chap. that. Chap Clark. And Chap Clark in Sticky Faith. I really found that interesting that they wrote, by far, the number one way that churches made the teens in their survey feel welcomed and valued was when adults in the congregation showed an interest in them. More than any single program, event, adults making the effort to get to know the kids was far more likely to make the kids feel like a significant part of their church. And I thought, well, there's a way right there that maybe as, you know, I guess I'm an adult now, right? I just had a birthday, so I'm an adult. (laughs) I don't always feel like one, but I, I guess I am. That's not something that's always immediately obvious that, hey, I should just try to engage someone younger than myself and do even just, like you said, some basic mentoring. Uh, do we have anything specifically for mentoring or maybe a ministry program here at the church that addresses one of those obviously most significant ways just for our young people? And I didn't know if there was anything specific that way. Now he's calling us accountability yeah. right here on the podcast. <laughs> well, because I might well, not be in the know. There, there's, there are some uh, obvious ones that that just show up on a, and we don't even think about it, but they are. And that is, you know, we've got junior high, we've got the teen program, we have all of our kids co-groups. Those are all areas that most anybody, once they get background checked, can get involved with. Sure. And become very much a part of these young young people's lives. There's also, uh, we've got a lot of things going on with the, the Justice Ministries group in terms of helping, you know, all of Krizia's work. There's some other, I uh, can't remember her name, is it? Angelica? Angel- yeah, Angelica. Working with small, with young children. There's ways for your adults to become part of that, you know. Sure. And those are the ones that are that stick out, obviously. But, but there's, there is definitely room for some uh, specific, yeah. maybe even a handout sheet that could be on our slap board that would say, you know, how to engage with each other, sure. how, to, how, to, how to start a conversation. Because it's really, we think about it being different from talking to an adult. It's really not. It's, no. I mean, it's just, it's just no, having it's a taking, conversation. It's taking the time. As a matter of fact, it's not, I shouldn't say time. It's taking the energy and the effort. Yeah. Because a lot of times what it is, it's just sitting down or bending down sometimes and saying hello to them and, yeah. and doing it on a regular basis. Put your arm around them and say, hey, I'm actually going to baptize a, a young man this uh, couple weekends from now. And the only reason I'm doing it is he doesn't, doesn't go to our church very often, but he has come. And once in a while, I'll just put my arm around him and, you know, ask how he's doing. Sure. And he thinks, you know, it's it's just great. He thinks that whatever he can do to be close by, he always, he now, he's he's in his, probably he's 13 right now. He comes up all the time and just, he's got to say hi to me. Well, and I think every so often, an easier way to do it or, uh, that I find myself getting into that without necessarily being purposefully driven just you know you get in line get a cup of coffee and it's like well, i'm gonna go to into class today or well there's somebody i know and then or they're hanging out with somebody i don't know maybe i'll go talk to them and then in the meantime i make a new friend right and like you said a lot of times it's just things that maybe are interesting to you that they maybe haven't even thought about mm-hmm. and say oh that's 
Oh, I didn't, didn't know that. Make yourself a new friend. Or if you're listening and you're thinking to yourself, I could do that. Hey, there's ministry opportunities. <laughs> Stop by the church office and say, I'd like to, I'd like to help out. We can do it's that. It's true. And, and I don't, I, I know there's parents that can get really antsy about this kind of thing. And so at our church, and I think with all churches or any place that where kids are, there does need to be a, nowadays, we just have to be concerned about it. Sure. And that's, there, there needs to be background checks because it, you, it's just not like it was years ago no. where, where we can just free, you know, freestyle on it. Yeah. So you encourage kids, youth, collegiate, early career people to <laughs> assemble your own village of mentors and coaches. Think intergenerational. Don't just seek like-minded, but add some people whom you know will see things from a different angle than you do. So my first thought there is, ooh, the danger here might be to avoid creating a inclusionary, like-minded, cliquish circle of friends because that's pretty easy to do. It really is. And so, how do we seek out? <laughs> how do we seek out and invite those who offer us diversity? Because a lot of times, if those are the qualities we're looking for, we may at least think or perceive that we don't have anything in common with them. Right. And, and I think there there are two. <laughs> this is gonna be bad. There <laughs> there are two kinds of people we don't have things in common with. Okay. There are there are the people that truly think differently. Maybe they have backgrounds differently. They're, they come from a di- totally different context. Maybe they grew up in a different country. Maybe they grew up in a different part of this country, and they just maybe see things very differently than than we do. That's one kind of person that is different from us. The other kind of person is different from us. The person that is different and also de-energizes us. They suck life from us. They're <laughs> exhausting people. Sure. So I think oftentimes when we think about getting people that see things from a different perspective, our minds go to the exhausting group versus oh, the yeah. energizing group. Because I can find a person who sees things theologically, politically, socially, familially different from me, and I can they can be an energizing force in my life. Hmm. Or I can find a person who's even sort of similar to me but they're a, more of a whiner, <laughs> life sucker person, you know. And so I think th- to, to, when you think about building a village of mentors or coaches that you want to have diverse, think about looking for engaging people who see things from a different perspective because that can energize you uh, as well because even, even some like-minded can suck you dry. That's true. Well, the other thing I was thinking about when we were on that very subject you brought up Chrysia, who mm-hmm. was talking about open table. Right. And I thought, well, there's a way that you can be – you're right. going to have to go through that background check process to be a part of this ministry. But you can be that to someone. And I asked Chrysia because I'm like, I don't really know for sure what we might need. So essentially said we are looking for all kinds of help all the time. Mission leaders, which are individuals that help recruit and train members in order to launch more tables – or more mentor groups. And of course, we would always like to have individuals to sign up to be on the table. We're continuously accepting applications so we can launch more and more tables in the future. So if you have a desire to be involved in that open table ministry... Do people know what the open table is? No, okay. yeah. and, if, and if you don't, then you can go back to the message oh, okay. and just take that little piece. It was about three-quarters of the way right. into the message mm-hmm. and just look it, and look it up. Or yeah. you can email Chrysia yeah. at, uh, at org, and that will be in the show notes. So if you click actually on the artwork... Her email address will be there, and you can click yeah, through brief, and send her an email. Briefly, that that is very intentional way of speaking into a young person. Sure, life, yeah, which is what this is, which is really cool. Yeah, at the end of this, you kind of you went into the fact that it has been reported that the hour of church is the most segregated hour of the week in America because we easily huddle with similarity. <laughs> and I thought I never 
really thought about it in that context, but in essence, it's pretty true. Yeah, and we're very fortunate to have a very diverse congregation here, multicultural, multi-ethnic, yeah. multi multi-multi-generational, multi, multi, yeah, everything. <laughs> yeah, everything. And, and that's not by accident. It, you know, we, we want people of, of a cross-section cross of the world. And yet it really is sad that it can, even within the congregation, that's a very diverse congregation, if we aren't intentional, we can live in silos within the congregation. Uh, friendship sure, circles, yeah. click circles, ethnic, gender, or we, can, we, can, we can all find our circles. And so it's really, it, it behooves us all, e- even in this congregation, to be looking for opportunities to look across out of your silo, g- you know, grab somebody else that you don't know that may be a little different from you, so you can learn from it, you can experience life better as a, a, a broader spectrum if you do that. That's something that we appreciated from the get-go once we were coming here. And even as Ellie was at OJA, our, our, our school right across the way here, and the diversity that's there and what it's taught her that we were never exposed to growing up just because we lived someplace yeah. where there was no diversity. Live, live in a monocultural community. Yeah. yeah, when you live in the Midwest in the 70s, <laughs> there was not a lot of uh, <laughs> diversity, just to say the least. But finally, uh, one of our FHC takeaways from this past week asked, how can you be more open to needing a village and also being one? And again, we've kind of gone through this. It can be a bit daunting for those that identify as introverts. And if you identify as such, how would you be open to this need and possibly being one? And conversely, if you're an extrovert, how would you or could you help someone who may be the aforementioned introvert? That might be something that would be uh, something that you could help with. So if you'd like to share, you can do that directly from the FHC mobile app. And then as we wrap up, there was an excerpt from a book by Jerry Cook and Stanley Baldwin uh, from Love, Acceptance, and Forgiveness, which describes the people of a Christian village and what they should strive to be. It says, love is a commitment and operates independently of what we feel or do not feel. We need to extend this love to everyone who comes into our church. Brother, sister, I want you to know that I'm committed to you. You'll never knowingly suffer at my hands. I'll never say anything or do anything knowingly to hurt you. I'll always, in every circumstance, seek to help you and support you. If you're down and I can lift you up, I'll do that. Anything I have that you need, I'll share with you. And if need be, I'll give it to you. No matter what I find out about you and no matter what happens in the future, either good or bad, my commitment to you will never change, and there's nothing you can do about it. You don't have to respond. I love you, and that's what it means. So regardless of where you find yourself in life, those words paint a pretty awesome picture of a village of love and grace that anyone would really want to be a member of. The good news is that we can create and extend that village to anyone inside of our walls and, of course, being a church without walls, anyone that you come into contact with. So upcoming this week is what? What are we, we're new well, this, this week? Yeah, this week is the first of the Great Questions series. Uh-oh. We asked our, our collegiate young adult class, what would you like to hear? What questions do you have that you'd like a pastor to speak to? Ooh. And so the first one we'll be dealing with this week has to do with the will of God and knowing what that is. You know, at that stage of life, it's you know how do I know what God wants me to do the rest of my life? What, mm-hmm. what should I choose for a career? Should th- is this the person I should marry? Is this the life I should live? And, and so how, how do I know what God's will is? And we'll explore that mm-hmm. this week. Yeah. Well, well, there might be some of us older than that that still have a <laughs> few of those questions. So this, uh, I think you're going to like the answers. <laughs> this, so if you're a little bit older than that, like all of us sitting here, the invitation is open to you as well to join. So until next Wednesday at episode 66, this is Randy for Andy, Jeff, and Tom saying thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you then.